There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk The Go Radio Business Show with Sir Tom Hunter and Lord Willie Hockey with Workflow Solutions. Thomas, we keep starting every week by saying another quiet week. Oh, the old yes. hust- hustings are getting a bit feisty. Well, what I would say, Willie, is the gloves are off. Um, on the leadership debate on STV, you know, Kate Forbes was calling out Hamza on his competence. She said when he was in charge of transport, the trains never ran on time. When he was in charge of justice, she said the police were at breaking point. And now he's in charge of health. The NHS stats speak for themselves. So is this the start of something big, Willie? Well, you not believe it. I actually got back from London late and I actually had taped the debate on STV and I watched it. And uh, <clears throat> I have to say to you that the thing that disappointed me most uh, was about feisty. There was uh, different exchanges. I never heard Hamza Yusuf mention the economy or, or economic growth once. No, no. I think they have all said, well, I think Ash Reagan as well. I'm just check this but I think I might be right that they've all said they've got to pause on the alcohol adverts ban, they've got to pause on the deposit return scheme ban and then they've all said look independence will come if if we're shown to be competent and more than 50% of the people in Scotland want it. So I think that puts it in the back burner for some time. Well, yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, even though it looks like we're talking about politics, we're talking about it because of the effect it's got in business. Yes. And I think Ash Regan missed a trick when, they talk, when she talked about the murky waters of some of the things that they've had to do because they're packed with the greens. Well, yep. When he did go at that, I was really surprised that she didn't mention the things she was talking about. You know, why did she not mention the dog's dinner that the, the rent freeze bill has been, right? And then, you know, everything else thereafter that, the, the bottle return scheme. This was two of their major, major initiatives. And they were at the heart of these two bills, these policies. So I, I thought that, that she, she missed a bit of trick, but it, it looked like, you know, that, um, yeah, I think that the, the, the tickets will be going for twice the price, I think, for the next ones after the feisty <laughs> uh, goings-on of the STV debate. Ding, ding, round two. <laughs> now, can I ask your opinion on this? Because, you know, not been involved with politics, I can't believe it, but this we've been talking about this deposit return scheme for so long in this show. And just last week... The Scottish Chambers of Commerce, the Scottish Council for Development, the Federation for Small Business, the Scottish CBI, they've all come together to write a letter to the First Minister of Scotland saying, please delay this until you listen to businesses um, questioning and ideas. So that's the first thing. But here's the political point, Willie. Am I right in thinking that the Scottish government need the UK government's approval and they only asked for it last week. From what I have read and what I've heard on this, that they're saying there's there's a there's a, a bone of contention. Some people are saying they don't and others are saying that they do. Um, right. But what I thought was interesting, it's just another policy where things have not been you know, thought right through. You know, it's back to where take twice a amount of time to look at the downside. And I don't know if you've seen this week, for the people who are trying to operate it, that some of the machines have broke down already. Oh, the machines have broke... I I missed that one, Willie. No, (laughs) So, yeah, some of the machines have broke down already. So this is... uh, I I think this has got a long way to go, but the best thing to do is to take that advice from all those bodies you've just mentioned and just pause it. Pause it until, you know, it's correct and, you know, it's workable or whatever. But at the moment, it looks like, just like the other bills, it looks as if the last three or four bills that have been put through Parliament have all been rushed. Yes, and it's all been... I mean, the real difficult thing for me here is 
the deposit return scheme has been pushed by the Greens, who who you say every week and I say every week, they don't believe in economic growth. Not quite sure what they believe in to, to pay for all the social services in Scotland, but they don't believe in economic growth. But I think every one of the candidates to be First Minister is going to pause this. So why doesn't the Greens say it's inevitable, therefore, press pause, don't cause businesses any more worry nor money, and the alcohol advert ban as well. Surely we should be saying, wait until we've got a new First Minister, he or she can then take a view on this. Yeah, and on that, so let's officially put out a hand of friendship to Patrick Harvey and Lorna Slater, invite them to come onto the show and explain if they're anti-growth, then tell us, you know, enlighten us as to how we find the money to pay for the public services that people are out trying to get more money for them. Rightly, trying to get a rise in their salaries at the moment. So, big invite out to the Green Party. Open mic. Come on and tell the listeners how they should vote for you and how you're going to drive the, the country forward. And I would just like to make it clear, Willie, it's the Green Party and not the Green Brigade. <laughs> I'm glad you said that not me yes <laughs> Tom good, no, some good news we'll all try to throw good news in but I see that you know last week that the, the company based uh, down the Hoyk and the Borders Mtel yes uh, they have done a deal to invest 42 million in new manufacturing facility in Abu Dhabi I think it's the cable networks that are involved in high tech Yes. This is obviously demonstrating that Scottish headquarters, high manufacturing companies are, are thriving. You know, they're into fibre, cabling and duct. But, you know, they, they turn over £164 million and they're making good profits. They've got 377 staff. But this, the big, big part of the story for me here is, is that the reason why they're doing it, one, they obviously get customers in Asia and, and probably in the Middle East, but they're doing it because... It's in an enterprise zone in Abu Dhabi. And it wow. proves the enterprise zones work. So I, I guess I know where you're going, Willie. You're going to say, why can't Scotland do this? Why did they not invest in Scotland? So who can we ask to tell us the answer to that one, Willie? Yeah, <laughs> let's ask Scottish <laughs> Enterprise. Let's see what they think. But, you know, the, the, this is, and on the back of that, you know, there's been kind of leaks in the media and you know that before budgets when that happens is generally true, but that they're talking about that the Chancellor, uh, Jeremy Hunt, is talking about maybe going to cut back on what was Liz Truss's idea for more and more enterprise zones. I think that would be a huge step backwards. Yes, I think so. So, I mean, Willie, we've got the UK budget with the Chancellor. I, I did check this this morning and it is still Jeremy Hunt. Um coming out on March the 15th. Now, what I think is going to happen is the corporate tax rate is going from 19% to 25%, and it's going to be the end of the two-year super deduction, which was to encourage um, companies to do capital investment in their businesses. They got 130% tax relief on any equipment they bought, but I read that this has cost us, the UK taxpayers, about £25 billion. So I think it's going to come to an end. So anything you would like to see in, in this UK budget, Willie? Well, I hope that the the rise from, I, I believe the last time that this was muted, is going to go to nine, from 19 to 25 over a number of years. Right. right it's going to go up to 21 and maybe go up to 23 and go to 25. Right. Um. We, we have to raise taxes, right? We, but it's, it's how you do it cleverly. And I think that, you know, when, when I look at Ireland now, we are a rate of 12.5% for corporation tax, attracting some of the biggest names in the world to come and set up in Ireland. How are you going to compete with that? You're going to get left behind. It's funny you should say that, Willie, because James Dyson, the inventor of the Dyson yeah. vacuum cleaner. Um, he was on questioning AstraZeneca, the big um, pharmaceutical company, is investing $360 million in the Republic of Ireland for the manufacturing facility. He's questioning, why not the UK? Is the UK, 
and Scotland is still part of the UK, is the UK investable? And I would say there's a lot of things we need to change to get it investable once again. Well, I've got a better idea. Right. Instead of putting all this hard work and effort at the moment trying to get another referendum on independence, why don't we lobby the UK government to say, why don't we do a trial in Scotland? We have the, per- we have the perfect location for wind, tidal, you know, we can't say solar to be fair, right? <laughs> but we've, we, we could absolutely be at the forefront, right, of the new green energy, right, initiatives. Yep. Why not make Scotland, right, a zone? Right. So I love it, Willie. Scotland leads the world. We've talked about it before. This would need to be, and I think of the three candidates, Kate Forbes has shown that she can work with the UK government. I think previous um, leaders of the Scottish government have just seen it as a no-go area to work with Westminster. But if this was to help Scotland and to help the people of Scotland, what First Minister shouldn't be doing this, Willie? We should, we should definitely lobby for that. I love it. Love it. Well, what, on that point, what I I can't say admired, I'm actually a bit scared. Kate's point the other night in the hustings about let's show that we can be an economic powerhouse and it'll be dead easy to get 60% of the population to come behind us for independence for Scotland. You know, that you know that, that would definitely be my approach, but I'm, I'm not happy about it being in the Labour Party. So, <laughs> but I would say that in fact, if we were in power tomorrow, that's exactly what I'd be doing, right, the other way. But I, I think that there's absolutely something in this. If Ireland, that are part of the EU, are allowed to have a much reduced rate of corporation tax in their region, why can we not follow suit now? and try it, and if it works, then you can maybe do something for Wales, or, I mean, look what's happening in Northern Ireland at the moment. Yeah. Right, it's part of the Northern Ireland, you know, let's not call it, let's forget the protocol, we're now calling it the Windsor Agreement, that I'm sure there'll be advantages here, the clever people will see the advantages of the new things that have been agreed by the EU, and I think that we should wait to see that and see how the dust settles, but I definitely think I would be lobbying big time we're UK that we are ideal. Forget this Freeport in one small part of the of, of of Scotland. Let's say what about Scotland? What about picking a whole you know country? Six million people here. Let's use everything that we've got. Where we keep saying everybody keeps saying that we could be you know this energy powerhouse, clean energy powerhouse. Let's see if we're right. I love it. Let's do it. Well, Tax breaks for Scotland. Jeremy Hunt has got a bit more rig- wriggle room because he's got about £30 billion more that's come in in tax receipts and projected for the year 22-23. And I'm also encouraged that the newest member of the Bank of England um, Interest Rate Setting Committee has said that she believes that she wants to keep interest rates where they are. Now, I know you've been a big supporter of the Bank of England, Willie, so <laughs> what are you thinking? <laughs> well, it's funny that you say that, and, and you know, it, it's right that she has a different opinion, but the, the interesting thing for me on interest rates was, is that this week that Jay Powell, the head of the Fed in the, in the States, the Federal Reserve, he's changed his tack completely within weeks. So he's went from, no, no, everything's fine and it could be incremental, we might not have to put rates up. He's now come out this week and says they may have to raise interest rates higher than he first thought in order to fight inflation. And I think that that sent, it kind of sent alarm bells, you know, across the states. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But as you say, for me... I stopped listening to what the Bank of England had to say a long, long time ago. And I was watching Andrew <laughs> Bailey on the TV two weeks ago pontificating about what was what, blah, blah, blah. And I just thought, there's a guy who's been asleep at the wheel for nearly two years and he's now out telling us what's going to happen and what he thinks is going to happen. I was having a wee chuckle to myself. Right. Well, let's see. That's March the 23rd where the Bank of England will decide about UK interest rates. So some good news, Willie. I've been searching and I've found some. Greg's 
is going to open another 150 shops in the UK and they see the opportunity for over 3,000 shops in the UK. Can you believe it? Steak bakes, here we come. It's only sausage roll, but I like it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. 3,000 shops? Amazing. They see the opportunity for yeah. 3,000 shops, yeah. Willie. And I remember when they had a big facility next door to me in Rutherglen, the Greg's Bakery. I used to hang about at the back door, see if there's anything getting thrown in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that, I mean, that, that is great. you know. And, and, and the great thing about that is those 150 shops are all in the local community. Right, and you know they're creating yep. jobs. You know, six or seven people maybe in each each uh, shop, which is absolutely fantastic. But that is a real good news. What about this one? What about maybe a wee worry? Right. Uh huh. This week, obviously, there's been a lot of negotiations about the cutbacks on on the military might, right, and the military spend. Okay. And there's a there's a once in a generation shift now in military hardware. You know, they're looking at completely different for looked at for the last fifty years, and that's driven by the impact of drones in the Ukrainian war. Not right. a savoury topic, but we are history in building warships, right, and engineering building. There's been a lot of great news on the Clyde in the last few weeks. Yep. But I wonder if in the future now that arming armies is going to take a whole new skill set than the traditional methods of building ships and weapons and, and planes. Well, I mean, it's not my specialist subject, Willie, but what I do know is that change is coming quicker it's disrupting things, so why not disrupt the art of war as well? My goodness, I hadn't thought about that, because Stuart Patrick, friend of the Go Radio Business Show, was telling us the good news about BAE systems on the Clyde. Great jobs, great apprenticeships, so long may that continue. One you might be able to help me with, I was talking to someone this week who was, again, bemoaning you know, the, the people not returning to work and the effect it's having in their, in their, there's a restaurant bar that they've got in the town. Uh-huh. Um, you're obviously involved in that sector a lot more than I am now. What's, what, what's the feeling? What, what does the people at Buzzworks think? Well, I mean, Buzzworks business is based, they're not in city centres, really. The whole business model is about, you know, small smaller towns, you know, Bridge of Weir, Troon, Presswick, etc. And then over in the east, South Queensferry, North Berwick, etc. So they have seen good business. I mean, it's a really well-managed business, Buzzworks. Um, still a shortage of chefs, but they have actually, believe it or not, looked to India to bring chefs into Scotland. It's quite a lot of work, but that's what they're having to do. Um, I can't believe there aren't Scottish people who could fill the jobs, but they assure me there aren't. Um, but I I was speaking to someone today about what's happening in city centres and the people in the offices, and what they're saying is it's now really a three-day week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Mondays and Fridays are quiet. People are working from home or working in their pyjamas or not working at all. Yeah. I, I see a bit of that in my own place, but even then, the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays were probably at half the people who would be in the office. It's not everyone. Everyone's are you not, really? Yeah. yeah everyone's right. not coming in the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You'll get, in, in fact, I would say to you, they were maybe only getting... 30% more of the people. So just say in my building, 600 people on a normal yeah. day before COVID, I would say now that on a good day, we might get 150. Wow. Right, And that's up. Right, So a Friday and Monday, it could be 70. Oh my goodness. Right? And they will only be essential workers that can only work from the office. So for me... The whole COVID thing has still got a long, long way to play out. Um, I mean, obviously, you've seen, may have seen this week that we've just landed another big contract with Morrison's. Yes, and, brilliant, well done. And we are, you know, we're putting the, the team together for that, and that would probably be maybe about 180 people in our office. And we've actually made a rule that if we're lucky enough to get the 180 people in the time that we need to get them, 
that they must come in for a six-month induction into what the, the, the values and, and the mission is of the business because if they don't get that, it, you know, it won't work. You know, so hopefully maybe after working for six months that they won't want to work from home. But unfortunately in this modern day now, people are used to it. People are now asking for it, you know, when they come for a job. So um, for me, I'm looking forward to the building being a bit busier when we introduce other new colleagues who hopefully will be coming on board over the next few weeks. Yeah, so, so listen, well done in that. That's hopefully another 180 jobs created by yourself and the team there. Um, I think on the work from home, it's dependent on what sort of business you've got. But but you're making the point, somebody doesn't, if it's a new hire, they don't get the culture over Zoom or over the telephone. They yeah. just don't. And therefore, if you're a growing business, they need to be together to get a bit of mentorship to understand the business's values, to understand the culture. Um, it just cannot be done from home. Yeah. Pure and simple. Coming next, Hunter and Hockey chat to Kim Perdicu, non-executive director of CyberArk. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, turning your paper-based processes into an organised digital archive. Go! There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security, and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk. The Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. This week's special guest is Kim Perdicu, non-executive director of CyberArk. Kim has also served as an advocate and advisor for several organisations that promote women in business, science and engineering. This week we're absolutely delighted to have as our guest Kim Perdicu, who's a director with CyberArk Software. Gil from Rilligan, who's done well and she's now going to tell your story. Kim, over to you. Thank you so much and thank you all for your time. I always find it difficult telling my story. I think it's easier if I, if I think about it as a yellow brick road. I did computing science the second year that it existed in Paisley Tech and um, I just loved it. But my first step on that yellow brick road was actually as a maths teacher. I taught in Blantyre High and Knightswood. And then I moved into lecturing at Reed Care College. And I I was married, actually, and my husband didn't realise I had a computing science degree. And he said, why are you teaching maths? And I said, well, (laughs) you know, uh, this is what I could do. And so after we found out we couldn't have kids, and so he said, why don't we go to America for two years and you can see what computing is going on and then we'll come back to the UK or to Scotland and you can start a business. My husband had a business in Scotland. And so we went to America for two years and ended up there for 25. And wow. so the second yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so the second part of the Yellow Brick Road was I worked in IT. I got a job in Dun and Bradstreet and Reader's Digest. And it was all how do, how could you impact the business with computing? And, you know, it's kind of interesting because at Reader's Digest, they had more data in those days than anybody else did. And they did all the data analysis. And basically, today, everybody does it online. But in those days, they actually could predict your behavior and what you would buy next. And, and so it was insight into that data that kind of was fascinating to me and how it impacted the business. Um, I had the opportunity to then go to Silicon Valley, which was, it it was fascinating because we we flew there. I was in Miami working and my husband was in New York and we flew there and we drove down um, one of the highways and he said, I'm not even going back for my clothes. This is amazing. Um, (laughs) California was just, it was, it was different. And, and the valley was definitely very, very different. And just the feel of the companies and everything that was going on. So I had the opportunity to, to join Juniper Networks, which 
is a routing and switching business um, and security. And basically, they built part of the internet with Cisco. Wow. Um, yeah. And so it was, it was really fascinating. But after about four years, I said, okay, I don't want to do IT anymore. I'm not, I don't really care what financial system you use as long as it works. And so I wanted to move into the business side and have an impact there. I was very, very fortunate because Juniper said, well, let's see if we can do something with this. Cut a long story short, after about 18 months, I ended up running the routing and switching business, which when I took it over, it was $1.5 billion business. And that's the U.S. billions. There's nine zeros on that. Um, <laughs> no, not the 12 of the U.K. Um, anyway, so I took it over. I actually stepped in um, to help, and it was kind of a temporary role, and I said, I'm a shareholder. Go find someone that can do this really well, um, but I'm going to run it today as if I'm running it. And so we made some really bold decisions in that three months, the first three months, because we were, from a business point of view, we were doing a lot of great things but most of them were not going to really impact the business. And so what I decided was I'm going to be working 24 hours a day. I told my family I probably won't see you very much. Um, and, but if I'm going to work 24 hours a day, I'm going to make it, you know, have an impact. You know, it's 1.5 billion. And in many cases, we had projects that were 50 million, which is amazing. It's amazing but not when you're dealing with a number like that. And so I said, if we're going to double it in three years, what do we need to do? And so we cancelled about eight or nine projects, which was very difficult, but it was all based on data and how do we actually model this business that we can double it. And we placed our bets on two big bets, really, with our existing business. And um, we actually managed to double it in the three years. The biggest learning I had was I was in a room with, with 11 other people and out of the 11, eight of them are Silicon Valley CEOs today. So I, surround, wow. I managed to surround myself with really smart, smart people. And we all, you know, kind of had the same focus. We were focused on how do we double this and um, prove every, all the naysayers wrong. So that was, that was Juniper. And then... Um, my husband said, I think, I think it's time to make her way back to Scotland. And um, <laughs> we get waylaid in Bermuda. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> can, can I ask, because I, I find it fascinating that, you know, your early life is of an academic. And there's not many academics make it into the business world. And there are hardly any make it to the heights that you have. What have you any insight into how how that worked? Well, it, it, it's a great question actually because when you do things, you don't you don't actually. I don't analyze why am I doing this. I mean, I grew up. My father had a, a news agent in Stoneler Road, and you know, at the age of five, I was counting the money. <laughs> so, uh, that's a real education my, Kim <laughs> that's right where my siblings were you know doing other things I was obsessed with numbers and, and money and business and was interested in taxes and things which is not normal but anyway um, but I think what happened was and also my husband has been a huge support I mean amazing and he had business and I said, well, I think you could do this in the business. You know, we were, we were teaching young people to, to go out and impact business com with computing science, but we actually hadn't done it. And so I think that's the huge difference between um, Scotland in those days, and I don't know how far it's progressed today, versus America. I mean, uh -huh. if you're lecturing in a university in America, there's a huge amount of them that are involved in business or own businesses. Right. And that relationship, I think, could be tighter. 
I mean, there's, you know, in Scotland, because I know I work with the Saltire Foundation as well and Entrepreneurial Scotland, and they're trying to bring the, you know, the different pieces together. But I actually think that would help a lot because I think when you're teaching, it's an amazing profession and my hat's off to everybody that, that can do it for a long time. Um, yes, indeed. But, you know, my biggest thing that I was looking for was this hasn't changed, right? And I uh-huh. become probably not the best person if things stay the same all the time. I want to break them again and fix it differently. And right. so I, I had to move on and I wanted to move on and prove that what we knew about computing science, we could actually positively impact businesses. And and Kim, if you don't mind me asking, once you go there and you cut your teeth in Reader's Digest, etc., but then the big job at Juniper, and my goodness, it was a big job. How did you go about leading the team there and creating, you know, doubling two billion to four billion? I don't care who's counting the billions, that's a lot of money. <laughs> is is that just does it come naturally to you? Did you did you look? Did you read? Did you read about other people? How did you get your inspiration? Well, it, that's a really good question. Um, before I took the job, I actually went away for a week um, and said, can I commit to this and, you know, can I do this? I had um, a lot of, of amazing people around me, as I said, but also I had, um, I, I talked to a woman, a mentor, And it was funny because the reason I decided to do it was she said, well, you know, when you're sitting in the deck after you retire, what will you be proud of? And I said, well, I can't do that, sit in my deck because I can't cook (laughs) and I can't clean and I can't garden. So, you know, I need to find something to do. And I thought if I did board work, that would be that would be good. And so with that, I kind of worked my way back. What is missing from my background and what do I need to learn to do that would enable me to do that in the future? And um, I understood the running of the business. And it was interesting because I was running the systems, I could see we're going to have a problem in manufacturing in, you know, a year and a half um, Uh because this is going to hit a wall. And the business had their three things they were focused on. They weren't focused on that. But I was very fortunate um, with, the, with the CEO and chairman and CEO, Scott Krenz, you know, because I kept going on, we're going to have this problem, even when I was on the computing side. And he said to me, look, here's a small amount of money, go analyze the problem. And when we hit that wall, you can come back and we've got a solution ready. And so that was that was very beneficial. It was great, actually. Um, right. And I hadn't ever seen anybody do that before, you know. Kim, let me ask you, what kind of business did your husband have? My husband um, had a property company. But the interesting thing was he had been a tenant for 10 years and, and said, here's the 10 things you never do to people, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> so he he... He ran his business in a very different way. You know, if you stayed for two years, you get a month free. And, you know, he just wanted to help people. Amazing. Right. For, for the listeners, I should tell them, you know, I, I was asked to um, do a, a, a talk to the, to the graduates at Jordan Hill College and I, and I read oh, yeah? in, your, in your bio. And for anybody at Jordan Hill College, here's how the world is your oyster. That uh, Kim holds a master's degree uh, from Pace University in New York, but it all started for her in Scotland in Jordan Hill College in Paisley Tech. Is that <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's Bachelor's exactly degree right. In computing science. So it's amazing. So for all you kids at, at you know at the West of Scotland University today, don't think that that could be the end of your journey in, in academia. If if you listen to Kim, wonderful story. It's amazing. I, I noticed in, in I was reading more about you were involved uh, in the America's Cup. This is funny, actually. When I came to Bermuda, I thought, you know, maybe I should... I knew nothing about the America's Cup or or boats or anything. I just liked the water. Um, And so what happened was I met a woman 
who's actually a New Zealander. She's amazing. She she ran Southern Cross, which is the fibre from New Zealand to the U.S., and she was based in Bermuda. So, and, and I met her for lunch, and she said, could you, do you think you could help me? I said, sure, what can I help you with? And she said, well, we need communications at the America's Cup. But I said, oh, okay, okay, I can help. Um, it turned out to be near enough a full-time job, I have to tell you, because <laughs> what they did in Bermuda, which had never been done before, was because everywhere else, most people view on land and you have all the maps of, of the ocean and where they are, you know, in televisions or big screens. But in Bermuda, they wanted everybody on the water and there was, there was no communications in the water. So we actually um, ended up getting Wi-Fi on the water. It was amazing. Well, maybe I should tell the listeners who maybe don't know what America's Cup is. America's Cup, it's very to say, is the one thing that we have never beat the Yanks at. <laughs> so a great hero yeah. of mine, Sir Thomas Lipton, obviously was involved a way, way back. And um, it's a boat, you started off with a boat race and it was a UK um, team against an American team. And way back in the day, it was a, I think it might have been the best of seven races or whatever. But I know that Sir Thomas Lipton spent millions a way back in mm. the day trying to, to win the America's Cup. And I think it's only in recent years that other countries, I think maybe New Zealand, I think, won America's yes. Cup, and, and I think Australia, yeah. maybe so. So it's the one thing, I was always surprised that um, that, that Richard Branson never put more and more into that because it had been the one thing I think that he'd like to have done, right? So I was really oh, surprised. Oh, yes. Yeah. I saw the boats getting built. The boats go up in foils. They are just mind-blowing. I've never seen anything like it. So it is, it's amazing, Yeah. Another thing is obviously International Women's Week day. Sorry, yes. this week, and uh, you've played a major part in in, in plowing that furrow for women in, in business. Tell tell the listeners a wee bit about that. When I grew up, I never thought about I'm a woman doing something different <laughs> until my first teaching job, and um, I went into the staff room. And one of my colleagues said, eh, this is the male staff room. <laughs> I said, no, actually, it's the math staff room. He said, yes, for men. I said, no, I'm a math teacher too. <laughs> so, so, but in those days, you know, it's interesting because my father encouraged me to do everything. And, and I said, I'd like to play golf. He says, you're a girl, Kim. <laughs> so, so um, you know, there, I think I think the saddest part is I think there's been a lot of progress made, but but not enough, and um, and we need to encourage girls. And I I've analysed this a lot. I mean, when I joined Juniper, I was the the one female voice in the room. Probably that was why they hired me just to have one. But um, when Kevin Johnson ran Juniper, there was about half. Half the executive team were women. Um, and so, you know, you, you can balance it. To me, it's all about the success of the business. The more diversity you have, um, we used to have a saying that said, you know, diversity is to people as open as to ideas. And it, it was amazing because the more different voices, if you listen to those voices... You know, um, not just to have them in the room so that you've got a representation, but actually to listen to what people are saying and listen to their story. Um, but it's it's very difficult because, you know, women make choices too. Um, it's not all one way. And, and you have to make business decisions around some of those choices. But um, I think the biggest thing I would encourage girls to do is to play sports um, because that is definitely known to give you the confidence. And I think the biggest thing is the confidence to speak up and say, I really want to do this. Um, you, just, you just triggered something, actually. Um, from I was about five, my mother had watched a program about mathematical children being different. <laughs> and when I did something that was maybe a bit different or asked questions that were different, she would say to me, 
you know, she had said I was different. And I said, well, if I'm going to be different, I'm going to be different my way. And <laughs> that is, so I don't think her, her whole plan was to give me permission to, to be, you know, different. But I think that's how it turned out. And I took it as permission that I was allowed to do things. And I was very much encouraged by my father and um, by everybody in the family. So, you know, I think um, just having the confidence to be different is huge for girls yeah. and women. You, you've been an advocate and an advisor for several organisations that promote women in business, science, engineering, including you know, the, some of the Fortune State departments. So most powerful women, you've been involved in mentoring programmes and, and in partnership with Tech Women, the US Department of State. In your time, do you think that things have come on well? Um, I think they have come on. I think, um, I mean, I, I'm on the board and, and in fact, most of the boards I'm on, I chair the remuneration and the compensation committee. And I think we're, we're not quite there, but I think there's a lot of companies that have made huge progress in, in pay. You know, um, the delta is, is not as great. Um, but it was interesting because I think it was last year or the year before I was in Scotland and I was listening to the radio and they said there's less girls going into, you know, science and engineering. Um, and, and that's very sad, you know. But here's one of the things that I think is critical for girls to, to be able to do. And that is most of them grow up and say, I want to make a difference. And so if you look at, Juniper Networks, and, you know, we built big metal machines, that, you know, big routers. They were huge. And you think, okay, how is this making a difference? But if you actually look at it from a strategic point of view, um, the internet has changed the world in many cases for the good and in some cases not so good, but it has fundamentally changed the world. So I actually feel... I, I could find what that connection was that I could make a difference. And I think um, that's a huge thing that, you know, kids don't always see, well, well, what's the difference I could make? You know, I was on a panel one day with Sally Ride. She was the first woman that, that went to space, you know, and I'm thinking, how did you even, you know, think about that, doing that, you know? And she said, I was just fascinated by it, you know? Amazing, amazing. So, Kim, the way you've obviously, as a woman in probably a male-dominated industry, made your mark, what's the kind of tips that you would give to the listeners today, especially the female listeners, about having the confidence to do so? Um, so, first of all, I think um, finding some a common language is interesting because I didn't play golf in Scotland because I was a girl, but I did when I went to New York because everybody in the telecommunications was playing golf on a Friday afternoon and that was where business got done. Right. And so <laughs> I decided that... You know, instead of looking at it from my point of view and saying, well, they're not talking to me about what I want, I'm thinking everybody's talking about golf. So maybe I should go and see if I can hit a golf ball and learn how to play this. <laughs> and have a conversation. And what would happen? I mean, I was actually invited to um, an invitational, which when I turned up, it was male-only day. But, <laughs> but with my name being Kim, they just thought I was Asian. And, and I said, well, I'm not. I'm just, you know, I'm a woman. Um, oh, and I'm from Rutherglen. <laughs> and I'm from Rutherglen. And you're not going to mess with that, you know. Um, and so it was, it was actually quite funny. But what, but what I learned about that was... I had to make other people in the room feel comfortable too. It wasn't just about me feeling comfortable. And as soon as I made people feel comfortable by finding some common interest, then it, I, I found that, that you know, it, it wasn't as, um, as important that I was a woman. And I didn't... I didn't um, and probably this was this was something that I should have done more was um, 
speak up about it more. But I just kind of got on, you know, with my life. I didn't, I didn't treat it as I'm so different because I'm a woman. I mean, even, you know, when I did what I did, and I didn't realize in Silicon Valley there's only like 7% of the boards at that time had women on them. You know, because the boards I was interacting with did have women on them. So, you know, I think there's a lot more can be done. And I do think some of the, like, Fortune's Most Powerful Women, they do amazing work all around the world um, for women that don't have a voice in any, you know, in countries where they're not even allowed to speak up. So it is it's very powerful. Kim, you're certainly a woman who's made their mark and uh, what a fantastic story. And I want to thank you again for coming on and sharing it with us and with our listeners and wish you all the best. What a story. Girl from <laughs> Rutherland takes over the world. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Kim. And thank you so much for giving back to Scotland through the Saltire Programme and Entrepreneurial Scotland. Just one last point about Saltire, actually. Um I'm, I'm the chairman of a, a privacy and security company um, in Silicon Valley. And we actually had, we made offers and, and some of Scotland's college grads, well, before they graduated, were interns at the company. So you can actually make a huge impact and get people, because it's a virtual company. Um, right. And so we actually got interns from Scotland um, one year and two or three out of the four were girls. Fantastic. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, okay, Kim. All the best. Care. More power All your elbow. Best. Thank you. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, turning your paper-based processes into an organised digital archive. Go Radio. There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitisation, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs, saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk. The board you can't afford. This is the Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. Question to the board you can't afford this week is from a gentleman who's just been installed as a new CEO. He would like to remain nameless so his team doesn't know. Good luck with that one. And he's just stepped into the hot seat to become the CEO of a business. He's now in charge of 200 plus people. Having previously been part of a senior team, I thought the change wouldn't be big but I found it to be a significant shift. How did you both cope with moving from leading something smaller to something much bigger when you grow? And how do you deal with the change in isolation? See, before we answer this, I want to tell you a story about my dad. Okay. My dad was a painter and decorator in the council. He was there for 25 years. And after 25 years, he got made the supervisor. So he get put in charge of 15 guys up painting the flats in Casamilk. And the first Friday of him being in charge, he was told by the manager that he had to tell the guys that they couldn't go to the pub now on a Friday afternoon. Oh dear. This is true. <laughs> and he went and sat in the boffy and he thought for an hour about how he was going to tell the guys after going to the pub with him every Friday for 15 years, that they weren't going anymore. And he finally came to the conclusion, he phoned his manager and says he didn't want to be the supervisor anymore. <laughs> <laughs> after complaining for 25 years, he never had a promotion. It lasted four days. I don't know if you're helping this CEO here, will I or not? <laughs> so, it's a great story, though. Right, Tom, so you, you go first. How did you, how did you manage it? Well, goodness, Willie, you know, starting um, the business when it was just myself and then it, it took me about three years before I could afford to take on anybody. And and that was that was the most daunting time of taking on my first employee because, you know, I, nobody was really mentoring me. I had my dad there, but, you know, it was all kind of learnt 
by doing the job itself. But once I could afford really good people, I really loved getting people who were better than me at certain jobs. Now, people always question me when I say employ somebody better than you at certain jobs, but nobody can be better than you than being the CEO until you get really big and then you can afford like Bill Gates to say, you know, I'm I'm going to bring in Steve Ballmer to be the CEO because I'm the best at being the chief software architect. But um, in those early days, first the first thing to understand for all our listeners this morning, this is the most difficult about business. It's dealing with people. And therefore, the great learning is watching others and saying, I really like the way they did that, and then trying to put it into um, place in your own team. And when you get it right, it's absolutely brilliant. But when you get it wrong, it gets you down for a long time, Willie. So it's not easy. I would say to MD trying to do it is try and get your network of people who have did this before, tell them about your issue, listen to them. So this peer-to-peer support we talk about a lot. Find somebody who's did it, listen to the mistakes they made, try and learn from them, listen to how they got it right, try and implement that, but then find your own style of being the leader of your business. How about you, Willie? How did you do it? Well, <clears throat> what I would say is a wee bit of the learning from my dad's story and a bit of my own learning would be if you've been a major part of the senior management team for many years and they're all your buddies and then you get a step up, here's the first thing I would do. I would take everybody out for something to eat and get them a few bevies and I would tell them that things are going to be a wee bit different, right? So, uh-huh. you know, we have to, you know, I'm, I'm going to need to change. I'm going to need to say things that I've never said before, you know, that we need to realise that depending on how good I am in the CEO role will depend on how you do. So I need you to get behind me. Things are going to be a wee bit different. It's going to be a bit strange, right? But we can still be friends, but I want you to be closer to me than I've ever been, but you have to understand that there's going to be some times when there's going to be a wee bit of tough talking, right? I'm going to need to okay. drive these a wee bit harder. So I, I think that start it off with a social event, take them out and just tell them what the new roles are going to be. Right, okay. Right. Sounds My experience, that worked for me. Yep. I hope that answers the question and I hope the 200 plus workers haven't worked out who their gaffer is. <laughs> <laughs> the Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions. Helping your business with document management, print and IT solutions. 